right. Really, really excited for this day. Uh, take two. I was supposed to be here at the end of January, uh, but I got a little bit sick before that. So healthy today. Really glad to be here. I feel really excited, like coming home. It's been about almost 15 months uh, since I had my last Sunday here. And so just even driving up here, I was telling my wife, Susan, I was like, oh, it feels really weird, but really good, like <laughs> coming back here. So uh, I see some new faces here. So if you don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Sam. I used to be a pastor here, executive pastor here at Catalyst for 15 years. Uh, God called me into a ministry uh, called Standing Stone. And what Standing Stone does is that we minister to ministers. We minister to pastors and missionaries. We walk alongside them. We uh, encourage them, we pray with them, we care for them, uh, sometimes we mentor them. Uh, for me specifically, I uh, head the seminary relations for San So we started over at Talbot Seminary, which is where I went to school. And we go there every semester and we share about San So in this ministry to those that are graduating that are just starting into ministry. And so we've been doing that for several semesters. I just went there a couple weeks ago. We shared at three different classes about Standing Stone. And uh, it was really, really great because really the statistics of what we see out there is really eye-opening. You know, for example, when I go to seminary, I share with them that within the first five years, 50% of those who graduate seminary drop out of ministry. You know, and so I go there and share them and they're like, kind of like taking back and I'm like, I'm not here to bring fear. But I want to bring encouragement because I don't want you to be a part of that statistic. And we're here to change that, you know. And so uh, in my role, I'll share a little bit about some sustaining some stuff that's been happening in my message. But I wanted to give you kind of a just quick update about my ministry, what's going on. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll have a table outside in the back after service if you want to come and to learn a little bit more. If you want to learn about what we do, Standing Stone, if you thought about maybe wanting to support us as well. If you already support us, please, please come and visit the table. And uh, I want to give you this shirt. Okay, so I want to give you this Be Free shirt. So please come to the table and get your shirt. Um, I wanted to give that to each one. It's a kind of reminder to me too because Be Free is the book that I wrote about identity and it's what I use with every single person that I meet with, okay? So all the pastors and missionaries, I meet with them, I go over Be Free. And in fact, everything that I do with all the pastors and missionaries is everything that God poured into me here at Catalyst. And so I really wanted to share that because um, it's funny when I had first gotten the call to kind of leave and it was a very, very difficult decision for me. One of the things the Lord told me to encourage me is that uh, you're, not, you're leaving physically, but you're not really leaving, right? You're, he gave me a picture of like a vine where the branch is sticking out, and he's saying, you're one of the branches that are coming out from this catalyst vine. And so he gave me the world, word, and he said, you're catalyst mobile, right? So you're catalyst mobile. So I'm taking catalyst out and taking it, and I want to tell you what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing here is so good and so powerful. It's making a huge difference in pastors' lives. You know, I'll share a couple examples in my message, but the people that I'm meeting with are really experiencing a lot of transformation and healing through the things that have happened here at this place. All the things that the Lord has done to me, I just carry with me and I take with me and minister to other people. But it's all the things that happened here. So I really want to encourage you that you can do that too. 
All the things that you've been blessed with here at Catalyst is not just meant for you. And this is actually what the Lord told me to open up my mind to this idea of leaving Catalyst and going and joining Standing Stone is, he said, all the blessings you've received here, you know it's a blessing. And I think you probably feel the same way. I feel really blessed to have been part of this church, to be a part of this church. But he said, this is not just for you. This blessing is not just for you. It's supposed to be multiplied. Right, and that's why I went into the Standing Stone, because when I minister to pastors and they experience that, they, in turn, minister to those that are under them. It's multiplying, right? And I really feel like that's what I wanted to encourage you guys as a church is, you have everything that's necessary. You One, you have the Holy Spirit, and that's all that's necessary. But two, the Lord has given you so much in terms of tools and understanding and revelation and insight and transformation and experiencing miraculous things and hearing from the Lord, that's enough. Go out. Go out. Okay, so that's kind of a little my soapbox for, for my update. But uh, today's message is going to be kind of along the same lines. I'm going to talk about encouraging our faith. Okay, so the title of today's message is You of Little Faith. Okay, so if you see throughout the Gospels, you hear that phrase used, You of Little Faith. Okay, and oftentimes when we hear it, we think it's kind of like a condemnation, right? Or like them, Jesus like chastising the disciples, you have little faith. And, you know, like when Peter uh, sees Jesus walking on the water and sees that miracle that Jesus does, Peter says to him, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you, right? And when Jesus says, come to me, Jesus, Peter actually gets to experience a miracle of walking on water. Okay? But then, actually, when he looks at the winds and the waves, he starts to sink. And then what does Jesus say to him? You of little faith, why do you doubt? And whenever I read that, I'm like, dang, that seems, seems kind of harsh. Like, he went out there and took a step of faith, didn't he? Like, he got out of the boat when everyone else was in the boat. He took him out of the boat, and he took a step of faith. And he experienced an incredible miracle that I'd love to experience, like walking on water. I can't even imagine what that would be, how incredible that experience was. And Jesus' response to him was, was, you have little faith. I was thinking, that sounds kind of discouraging. Okay, so today I want to look at this idea of having little faith, okay, and how I believe that we've kind of misunderstood what, what this is really about. So let's start by looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which is kind of like the typical definition of faith. Okay, so Hebrews 11.1, 1, I think we're having it on screen, or you want to look in your Bible, says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Okay, so this is actually something the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about, about faith. And about faith in particular is that it's about assurance and conviction. Okay, that the Lord is really speaking to me about this idea of faith being assurance and conviction. It's not like a wishful thinking, like, oh, I wish that would happen. That would be great if that kind of happened. No, faith, according to the Bible, has this idea of having assurance and conviction. And what the Lord was telling me is, you need to have more of this. You need to have more of this. Assurance and conviction of things hoped for and things not yet seen, okay? things that you haven't realized, you don't see evidence of, you don't see things happening yet, I want you to have assurance and conviction. Okay, and so 
when I thought about that, I thought about like, that seems hard. <laughs> that seems difficult. And so one of the things I was asking the Lord is the same question I think the disciples asked Jesus in Luke chapter 17. Okay, so let's look at that. You might relate to this. Um, Luke 17, the apostles say to, to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Okay, and the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Okay, so when the disciples say to here to Jesus, I think I've said a lot. I say to Jesus, please increase my faith, right? And if faith is like confidence and assurance, like, I don't feel like I have that. Please increase my faith. But it's very interesting what Jesus says here, because he says to them, if you have faith of the grain, like a grain of a mustard seed, okay, and if you're familiar with that, in our agriculture community, the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, okay? So if you have even faith of a mustard seed, the smallest seed, you can do something like speak to this mulberry tree and be uprooted from the sea and it would obey you, okay? So I'm not sure if you're familiar with a mulberry tree. I'm not, so I had to look it up. But a mulberry tree is a big tree, okay? In, in full maturity, it's about 50 feet tall and 40 feet wide, okay? So it's like got a strong base. This is not easily moved. It's not like a skinny tree that's really tall. It's 50 feet tall, but 40 feet wide. He's saying, if you have faith of even the smallest amount of a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and it would do it, and it would do it. And so, again, when I look at this, I'm thinking, man, I don't have any faith. I don't have any faith, right? Let's look at another example. Okay, let's look at um, this passage in Matthew 15. Matthew 15 is another example of faith. Okay, so this example, Jesus and his disciples are walking from uh, Galilee down to Jerusalem. Okay, and they're going through this region of called Tyre and Sidon. Okay? Nobody would go through, that, go through that way. So if they would come down, a straight line would go through Tyre and Sidon. They would go all the way around. Even though it'd be way longer, they would not go through this region. Any Jew traveling from the north down to the south of Jerusalem would not go through this region. Right? These region this region and the people there were hated. They were hated by the Jews. They were enemies together, right? But Jesus says, no, we're going to go straight through. We're going to go straight down. So look at, let's look at their interaction when Jesus goes there. It says, Jesus went uh, away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. Okay, so this is, let me stop right there. So this is really interesting. This is actually, when you, I don't know if you've ever seen like the hard sayings of Jesus or like the hard sayings. This is one of the hard sayings. Okay, so when you read this, you're going to be, maybe have their reaction. You can see why this is one of the hard sayings of Jesus. Okay, so she cries out to him and he doesn't answer her. Instead, uh, the disciple, well, she kept on crying out and the disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying after us. Please come, like, deal with her, right? Why are you not addressing her? Deal with her because she keeps coming after her and keeps crying after her. And again, he answered, 
I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Does that sound like Jesus? I mean, I look at my Bible. These are the red letters. I mean, it's, it's in the red. This is supposed to be Jesus. This doesn't sound like Jesus. What is going on here? This is why it's one of the hard sayings. What does this mean? What is happening here? What is going on with this situation? Okay, well, not going too much into it. Basically, what I think is happening is when we look at what his, uh, let's look at verse 24. No, I'm sorry. Let's look at verse 23. Okay, so he doesn't answer her. The disciples came begging to him and say, send her away. And then he answered uh, in verse 24, I was sent to only the lost sheep of Israel, uh, lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, in verse 24, who is Jesus talking to? Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the woman? He's talking to, I heard it here, he's talking to the disciples. The disciples are asking him and asking him a question, and he responds to the disciples. So actually, I think what is happening here is not just for the woman. This is actually for the disciples. He's trying to teach them something, right? And what is he trying to teach them? Okay, look at what he says. He says, um, in verse 24, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman comes and says, Lord, help me. And then he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Um, it's interesting because if the woman had heard that, that wouldn't have been a surprise. That wouldn't have been like a shock, right? This is probably something that they've heard many times, that the Israelites, the Jews, that they were God's chosen people, and that uh, she might have even heard them call them like dogs. And that's something that they'd be referred to as, as dogs. That's how lowly and that's how uh, kind of uh, conflict was arising between the Jews and those in this region. So. Jesus was saying something that she already knows, that she already heard, right? And the disciples would also not be surprised. That's why they want her to go away. That's why she's saying, would you please deal with her so she would leave? Look at what happens in verse 27. Look at her response. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, a woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Okay, verse 28 sounds a little more like Jesus, right? But this, is, was, this was his heart the whole time. He had that heart the whole time. So what was going on with these different statements that he was saying? He was saying, basically, I think to the disciples, but also to the woman, this is what you're confronting. This is the reality of your experience. This is your life and this is society. That you have this view, that you're a second-class citizen, that you're marginalized. This is what you're going through. This is what you're going through. This is what you experience. You experience discrimination. You experience people calling you a dog. You experience these type of things. This is something that you experience on a daily basis. And what is she, how does she respond to that? Yeah, that's true but even the dogs can eat the crumbs from the master's table, and that's enough for me. 
and that's enough for me. What does Jesus say? Great is your faith. Because you know the reality of your situation. You know how hopeless it feels. You know how hopeless it is being in this type of situation, being marginalized, viewed as a second-class citizen. You know how hard it is, but yet you know that the only one that can help you is Jesus. He's saying you don't let circumstances overcome your faith. You don't let your circumstances be so big and so prominent in your mind that you feel like you can't receive anything from God. You're not letting the reality of what's happening in your life deter you in your faith. You're not letting all those bad things that are happening, things that are happening with your kids, things that are happening in your job, in your workplace, things that are happening internally that has been, got stirred up for the past two years. You're not letting the reality of all those things prevent you from having faith and believing that I can do something about it. That's what he's saying about this woman. This woman is experiencing the reality of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is what your reality is. And what's her response? That's okay because you can do something about it. Because you can do something about it. Jesus' response to her says, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Let's look back at that Luke 17 passage. Luke 17, verse five, uh, we said the disciples are asking Jesus to increase their faith. And it's really interesting to me that Jesus' response is not, okay, this is what you need to do to increase your faith. This is how you can have greater faith. Because when I read verse 5, it sounds like a good thing, right? Isn't that a good prayer to have to the Lord? Increase our faith? But yet, he doesn't respond that way. He doesn't say, yes, I'm going to increase your faith. Or yes, these are the five steps you can do to increase your faith. You can do one, two, three, and then you'll increase your faith. He doesn't say that. It's interesting what he says in verse 6. He doesn't say that. He says, you're asking the wrong question. You're not. What you're asking is you're thinking, and I think this is true, and I think it's true because I think this as well, is in order to see God move in your life, you need to have huge, tremendous faith. You need to have huge, tremendous faith. And that's why I pray this prayer a lot. Lord, increase my faith, especially when I'm faced against something that seems impossible where I need to see God move and do a miracle in my life, I feel like I need to have a lot of faith for that. And I think this is what Jesus is trying to address in this passage. When the disciples are asking him, please increase our faith, he doesn't even address their, their thing. He's saying, you need to change your mindset about what faith is. You need to change your mindset about what it means for God to act on amount of faith. He's saying, you don't need a lot of faith. You only need a tiny little bit of faith. You only need to give God a small opening for him to move. That's all he needs. He doesn't need a big giant tunnel for you to come and to have him usher into your life. He just needs a small opening. And he's asking this question, do you give me a small opening? Will you give me a little bit of space so I can move? Just like the woman did. She faced the reality. She was coming across all of these different things that are happening in her life that made her super you know, discouraged and depressed and desperate. But she gave an opening. She said, even though I'm going through this, 
I'm going to keep an opening. And the Lord says to that little opening, great is your faith. This is all that's required. When we ask that question, increase our faith, we're asking the wrong question because behind that question means that faith is somehow it's going to become generated by me. I need to increase my faith. Lord, help me increase my faith. Can you see the problem with that? Do you see where the focus is that when we're talking about increasing our faith, doing something that we need to do to have more faith? We think faith is about us. If faith is about us and something that we do, then this is true. Then this would be a good prayer. But Jesus is not responding to that because he's saying faith is not about us. Faith is about God. And God only needs a small amount of room to move. He just needs us to give him a little space. Earlier this year, I was at... Um, the church that I was helping out uh, for my cousin, and I was an interim pastor there for about 14 months. So uh, that finally finished. Okay, so second week of March was my last Sunday there. But earlier this year, um, I was preaching a sermon at the beginning, I think it was the first Sunday of the new year. And so the first Sunday of the new year, I was thinking, okay, it's a new year, and gosh, we've been just going through some sucky times this past pandemic time. It's time for a change of mind, right? A, a change of mindset, right? And so I was preaching on uh, repentance, okay? And repentance, the literal word means metanoia, okay? So metanoia, translated in our Bibles, is translated repentance, okay? But the word metanoia actually literally means change your mind, change your mind, okay? So the word metanoia, the one that we get translated as repentance, really literally means change your mind. Okay, so I was there talking about repentance and talking about metanoia and talking about how we really need to change our mind because our mind is in a bad place now, you know, and because of all the things that have been happening, all the negative negativity and all the turmoil, all the things getting stirred up within, we really need to change our mind, you know, and as the prayer team this morning, I think uh, Krista was mentioning too, they had a the word like reset, and I really feel like that's true. We just need a reset. We need to reboot the computer, right? We just need to turn it off and then reset and reboot, right? So that's the feeling that I had when I was, when I was speaking and talking about this idea of metanoia, about changing our mind. We need to change our mind. Okay, so uh, after the service, someone came up to me and said, oh, Pastor Sam, do you remember me? Okay, and I felt really bad because I didn't remember him, <laughs> right? And this church is really small, too. It's like... <laughs> There's only like 20, 25 people. Like, how can I not remember this person? Right. But he had told me that he had come almost a year to the date when I spoke uh, last year in January. Okay. And uh, you know what's hard for me too? Like you know, during the mass thing, like no wonder I can't remember because I only like see this much, right? I'm like, you don't remember this? Like, <laughs> you don't remember me? You look at my eyes. You don't remember me? Right. So I'm like, okay, it's all right. It's all right. I don't remember you. Okay. So. I told him, okay, I don't remember you. <laughs> but then he was sharing, and then when he, when he, once he started sharing, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. So he was telling me how um, that Sunday where he heard me a year ago, he was uh, just visiting, and he was going back to Seattle where he lived, and that he was uh, thinking about going into ministry. Okay, so that was about a year ago. And so he came this morning, and then he shared with me how the Lord had called him to come back and to do, 
to do, go into ministry. So he had a really successful uh, clothing company and shoe company up in Seattle, and then he basically sold it. He sold everything, and then he came down here, uh, and then he started his MDiv at Fuller. And so he told me how he was going to a, a church in the area. It's a pretty well-known church, well-known church in the area, and that uh, he was starting to get involved there, and then uh, he was like a, he's like a drummer, and um, he actually performed for, with Tommy Walker. So he was, he's actually a professional, professional drummer. <laughs> and so he was telling me how he's at this new church and they asked him to, to be on the worship team and then he was drumming there and da da da. And so I'm like, okay, that's cool, that's cool. And then he told me, and so I was kind of, actually I asked him like, oh, so what, what brought you here today? And he's like, it was the weirdest thing. I woke up this morning and then I was getting to ready to go to my church, and the Lord told me, you need to go to uh, THMC, which was the church I was at. You need to go to THMC this morning. So he actually knows someone from that church. Uh, his mentor is on the worship team, okay? So she was like his mentor for many, many years, right? And so she's, he said, he was asking the Lord, why do you want me to go there? And then he didn't tell him anything, okay? But he said, he felt it again. He's like, you need to go to THMC. HMC this morning. Like, okay, I don't know why, but okay, I'll, I'll do it, right? So he goes there, and then I'm sharing the message about, you know, metanoia and changing mind, da da da. And then he shares with me about, you know, what I just told you. And then I said, oh, so what happened to you? Do, you? do you get a sense? And he said, you know what? When you came here, I had no idea why the Lord would tell me to come here. But when you talked about metanoia, that means something to me, right? And so let me, let me give you the, put up on the screen here. He showed me this. Metanoia is actually the new clothing line that he developed. And I was like, what? <laughs> so we're both kind of having this goosebump kind of moment. I'm like, oh my gosh. So he said when he was in service, like, God just like really, really met, to, met him because, you know, this really opened his eyes when he started coming. He's like, oh my gosh, God has me here for a reason. And then when I talked about changing your mind and having a different mindset, and he's like, I needed to hear this today. I really needed to hear this. So we're talking a little bit more, and then his mentor comes over, and like she's like I said on the worship team, and so I heard them talking together, and they said, oh, let's kind of, now that you're back here, let's kind of get together and do a jam session. So I heard them kind of planning that, and so that was Sunday. They were having like a jam session on Thursday, Okay, so they're going to kind of get together with the worship team and, and kind of play and stuff. So, um, so later Thursday, Thursday night, um, we're on this group chat, and then I see something posted on there saying like, oh, we want to welcome, his, his guy was named Jacob, we want to welcome Jacob to our worship team. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> what, what just happened here? So I saw him on Sunday, and I said, what, what happened, you know, from last Sunday to, to Thursday? He's like, this was the strangest thing. He said, because on Wednesday, the day before they were supposed to get together, he got two different offers from two different churches to come and to work at their church, right? So one of them was a pretty substantial offer. They're getting paid a lot of money full time. You can drum here. You can do all these different things. Basically, He's writing his own job description is what they just said. You could just do whatever you want, you know, and we're going to pay you the salary, right? 
And so that was one. And then the other church that they were at also asked him to come on staff as well, both on Wednesday. And then he said, the Lord told him, say no. I want you to say no. And at first he would say like, are you crazy? What am I going to say no here? I sold my business. We have like no money. We have nothing. We need, I need a job, right? I need a job. And so at first that's what he was thinking, but then the Lord reminded him of Sunday. He said, there's a reason I talked to you and told you to go to that church. There's a reason that when you went there that the pastor talked about metanoia, which is on your heart and the reason you named your company metanoia. There's a reason that I brought you here and you need to, you need to be open. And so he said, right after that, he said no to both of the offers. Then the next day, they had the worship thing, and then they were having the jam session, and then uh, the Lord spoke to him, you need to join the worship team, <laughs> right? And so right away, he said, yes. I don't know what God's doing, but he's doing something. So it's interesting. So he's been part of our, part of our team. He's now kind of on the leadership. He's like being involved, and it's really just amazing to me, right? The kind of faith that he took. But really... How did that faith come about? You might think, like, that took a lot of faith. Great faith to, like, say no to these two different things and do all these things. Really, that's not where the faith came from. The first, you know where the faith came from? Is when Sunday morning, he heard the Lord say something very simple, I want you to go to this church. church. That's where the great faith happened. That's where he gave God a little opening. That's where he gave God a little opening. How does he give him a little opening? by just doing what he says, by just doing what he says. Let's look at another example. Matthew 15, no, sorry, Luke 17, again. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. Okay, so this is Jesus walking again, and this time, instead of a Canaanite woman, he's coming across uh, some lepers, right? And it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lift up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. Okay, this is really interesting what he says to them, right? He says, Go show yourself to... Why would Jesus tell them that? Well, if you understand the context, in the Jewish context, right? So the lepers are outcasts because in the Old Testament it says if you have any discoloration or any skin disease, you're supposed to be outside of the camp. You're not holy, okay? And then if you get restored, the priest is like the health inspector, right? So you're supposed to come back, show yourself to the priest. He's supposed to check you out to make sure that you're really clean and then you can come back and re-enter society, okay? So when Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest, they understand what he's saying, right? But it's interesting, when you read this, read this situation, he tells them to go, go to the priest, even though they're not healed. How do we know that? Because look at verse, look at, look at as we keep going on, it says, go show yourself to the priest. And they went, and then they were cleansed. After they left, then they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving, giving him thanks. And now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered him, we're not, ten, uh, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? 
Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. What was his faith? What did he do that his faith made him well? Jesus told him to do something, and then he did it. Did he... Did he get healed before? Did he get prayed over before? And then he got healed, then he went to the priest? No, he did it. Jesus told him something, and it actually, probably to them, it didn't make any sense. Why would we go to the priest? We're, look, look at us. We're still not healed. What are we going to do when we go to the priest? That was the opening they gave the Lord. The Lord said, go to the priest. And so they went. While they were walking and going, they got healed. This is how faith is released, by very simple obedience. Faith is released by very simple obedience. That's why he says you only need a little bit of faith. You only need a little bit of faith. Just listen. Give me an opening. Just listen to me. You know, it's interesting because... Um, God has been bringing this up to me as an encouragement, right? Because there's a lot of times, like I said, where I feel like I don't have any faith. You know, and there was one day I was kind of complaining to the Lord about different things, about things I've been praying for that have not been happening. You know, that there's no movement. There's nothing changing, you know, and it's been like that for a very long time. And I felt really discouraged to the Lord and saying like, Lord, just to be honest, I don't have a lot of faith right now. In fact, I would say like I have zero faith for this thing. And then he's brought up this passage that we looked at about the small faith, that's all you need. And he said, that's okay, you're not far off. If you have zero faith, you're not far off because you only need a tiny bit. You only need a tiny bit. So if you're at zero, you're not far off. That's what he was telling me. And that was super encouraging to me. When you have zero faith, you're not far away. This was Jesus' encouragement because faith doesn't have anything to do with you. Faith has to do with God. You don't have to bring a lot. In fact, you don't bring anything except openness and obedience. That's all you need to bring. Just give him a small opening. Just give him a small opening. Just listen to what he says to you on a day-to-day -day basis. Like when Jacob woke up that Sunday morning, he had no idea that he was going to end up in this church, be on the worship team and be involved in this no idea. He had no idea that he was going to turn down these two offers for jobs that he's been looking for to support his family. He had no idea any of that was going to happen. Just woke up, heard something from God, and listened. That's all it took. A couple weeks ago, maybe about three weeks ago, I, um, sent, I was sent an email, and they, uh, it was someone from uh, AACF, which is a Christian club on, on campus at UCI. Okay, so they had emailed me and asked me if I was willing to come speak the next week. And so uh, even, though it was, it was an, even though it was short notice, it was just a week, I said, uh, I wanted to say yes, you know, because I came to Christ actually through a campus ministry at UCI, through university. So I always have a soft spot. Like, I always want to try to say yes whenever I can. So I knew I was going to say yes. But as soon as I e sent the email and said yes, the Lord spoke something to me, and he says, you need to bring someone with you when you go next week. And I was like, okay, 
And it just immediately came to mind is that I did that before, right? So actually, a couple years before that, I actually brought Dylan Harada. So I brought Dylan Harada with me when I spoke at AACF in Irvine just two years prior to that, right? And so I thought, that was a pretty good experience. So yeah, I'm open to doing that again. So then I asked the Lord, who do you want me to bring? And immediately, he brought to mind one of the pastors that I meet with. Okay, so one of the pastors that I meet with, he's from China. Okay, so uh, he's, he came from China maybe about three years ago, and then he started at Talbot. And then through our sharing at Talbot, he heard about Standing Stone, and then he reached out to me. And so when he came to me, he was in a really bad place. And so he had been going to seminary for a while. He was really discouraged. And basically, he told me how him and his wife, when they were at the church in China, they really got messed up. You know, some of the things that really have gone, and they're experiencing a lot of, like, kind of spiritual abuse. And they're going through um, really being kind of micromanaged and not understood and not seen and, and all these different things that he was going through. And so we're meeting together, you know, taking him through Be Free and, and walking together with him. And actually, over the course of about a year or so we were meeting, he was actually in a really great place. You know, so much so that he finally said, I think I can trust the church again, you know. And so he joined a, a church uh, in the area, a Chinese church in the area, and then uh, he became an intern at that church. And then so I was asking him about that experience and was like, how is it? How is it? How is it now like reengaging in church? He's like, I can tell how much God has really healed me because I feel actually excited about it. I feel excited about it. So I said, what do you think you want to do there? And he said, oh, I think I want to do college ministry. Right? And so when I heard that, I'm like, this is perfect. This is perfect, Lord. Thanks. Thanks for setting this up. So I asked him, hey, would you be willing to go with me? I'm going to go to UCI next week. And then I'm going to be sharing at this campus ministry, da, da, da. And he said, yes, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. Because basically, he's never been to any colleges except Talbot, which is where he's at. And so I was planning to pick him up on Wednesday and to go. Okay, so fast forward to the next week. On Tuesday, uh, I'm meeting with another person that I meet through Standing Stone. He's a missionary in Mongolia. And I thought, this is really interesting. Because that came from Talbot, too. I'm like, all these people I'm getting from Talbot are all from Asia, right? <laughs> so one from China and then this one from Mongolia, right? And so I've been meeting with this missionary for about a, also for about a year. And again, he came to me, and he was in a really bad place. And he had been serving for about 15 years with a certain mission organization. And this mission organization was like very, very zealous and very, um, kind of put this nicely, like I had never heard of the term spiritual abuse before. I had never heard of that term. But when I heard him describe what he went through, I'm like, whatever it is, that sounds like that. Because it was really bad. It was like the things that they were doing and requiring of him and saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. And basically, he had no control over any of his time. Like every minute of the day was dictated by this organization. I was like, oh, this sounds bad. And so he left that organization. And then he said he was just really in a bad place. Okay, So again, same thing. Took him through Be Free and different things. And now he's coming out of it. And so, again, same thing. He's sharing with me again just how much the Lord is restoring. So I'm not 100%, but gosh, I feel like I can breathe now, you know? And so him and his wife are going to go on a sabbatical for a whole year. And I said, this is perfect for you. This is a perfect time for you. And so he's from Southern California. So I said, oh, this would be great. I'll finally get to see you in person, right? And so he said, yeah, I'll be here. 
and I'll be here for about a year, and I'm going to go to this church in Irvine called Berean, okay? And he said his best friend and his brother go to that church, Berean, okay, in Irvine. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, so the next day, Wednesday, I pick up uh, Joshua. His name is Joshua. I pick, I pick up the Chinese pastor, and I take him to UCI, and then we go into the, the large group, and one of the first people we meet with is one of the leaders. We're just kind of making small talk there, right? And then uh, we're talking to him, and then he, I asked him, oh, what church do you go to? He said, oh, I go to a church in Irvine called Brian. <laughs> hmm. I just heard about that church, right? And so I said, hey, it's a really small world, right? Because I just, another person that I meet with, because Joshua was there with me, another person I meet with, he, uh, his brother and his best friend go to that church. He's like, oh, what is his name? I was like, oh, I don't think you know him because he actually lives in Mongolia. He's like, okay, that's okay, that's okay, just, just give me his name, give me his name. So, you know, like a Gen, Gen Wire, he's like, goes on social media, he goes on his Facebook page and puts in the name, and he says, is this him? I was like, yeah, how, how, do, you, how do you know him, right? And it looks like they have a common friend, okay? And the common friend, his name is Mike, he's the staff person at AACF, okay? And so he's going to be, he said, oh, he just had a baby, but he's going to be coming here later, later today. I'm like... Okay, that's interesting. Kind of cool, Lord. So then I go and I give the message and I share the message and I think it, it went okay. And then when I'm coming back to my seat, Joshua is talking to this guy and they're all animated and they're talking. I'm like, something is going on over here. Like, what is happening? So I go over there and I go to Joshua and he's talking to this guy and he's talking to him and then he introduces to me and it's Mike. Okay. And it turns out Mike and Joshua go to the same church. So this Chinese church that Joshua started going to, you know, once he started getting comfortable again, they go to the same church. In fact, they said they were just talking on Wednesday, and Joshua was sharing that I'm going to be at UCI on Wednesday. And this guy said, what time are you going to be there? Oh, we're going to go kind of early. Oh, it's too bad we're going to miss each other because I work at UCI. What Mike was telling Joshua, right? I'm like, this is too funny, Lord. Okay, so then I started talking to Mike, and then Mike says, while you were talking about there, I, I needed to put all these puzzle pieces together. I'm like, what are you talking about? I need to put all these puzzle pieces together. He says, because Joshua was telling me about this guy, Pastor Sam, that he was meeting with through Standing Stone. And I was like, okay. And then he says, I have a friend in Mongolia. His name's Conrad. And he keeps talking about this Pastor Sam that he's meeting with. I'm like, could this be the same guy? Could this be the same guy? So he said he took a picture of me and he sent it over to Conrad in Mongolia. And he said, is this the guy that you've been meeting with? And then Conrad sends it back to him and says, yes, this is the guy that I've been meeting with. I've been telling you, they meet regularly, like every week. And he said, this is the same guy that I've been meeting with. So I start talking with Mike. Mike also used to belong to the same mission organization. And then he tells me how him and his wife had also been really in a bad place since they left. So I got to tell them about Standing Stone. I got to share with them how, you know, we come and to come alongside them and encourage them to, to maybe reach out. And then I said, we have women in Standing Stone too that meet with pastor's wives. And I said, if your wife wants to reach out, she can also reach out. And he was like so blessed by that and say, I think I want to do that. I think I want to do that. So while I'm talking to Mike, I see Joshua at the corner of my eye. He's talking to one of the students there. Right? And again, it's a really animated conversation. Something's happening. 
They're talking in Mandarin, so I have no idea what they're talking about. But I could tell something good, something good is kind of happening. They're all laughing, da da da. And so after that conversation, I, I talked with Joshua walking back into the car. I said, Who was that student you were talking to? Well, it turns out the first leader that we had met found out that Joshua was from China. So he brought that student over to Joshua because she had just come from China. Okay, she's an international student, she had just come from China. So she wanted to connect her with Joshua. So they were talking a little bit, and, and you know China, pretty, pretty big. <laughs> 1.4 1. billion people, China, right? They're talking, they're from the same province in China. And again, okay, just to give you some context, the province is big. It's got millions and millions and millions and millions of people, okay? It's, it's, it's pretty big, okay? So, but then they're talking more, and this woman says, and talks about her parents, and the parents are actually from the same village in that province as Joshua. This village is very small, very small. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on here? And then he says, when she shared with me her first name, she, he said, that's my sister's name. <laughs> oh my gosh, what is going on here? You can't make this stuff up. Like, what is happening here? 1.4 billion people in China. They're from the same province. Her, her parents are from the same village as Joshua. You cannot make these things up. And so I was talking with Joshua after, and then I was sharing with him what I told you, that when they invited me out to WCF, the Lord told me, bring someone with you. And I told him right away, the Lord said, bring Joshua. And then he started getting really emotional. Just out of all the events that kind of happened that night. Between him meeting uh, Mike, the staff worker, because they were talking more about, you know, you can come out during the week when we, do, when we do ministry throughout the week. His heart is for evangelism. He said, you can come out and do evangelism when we go out on campus. And then you can do that and, and be able to get connected together. And then meeting this woman, I mean, this, this gal, this student from China, you know, all of these different things. And then with the Lord speaking to me and saying, you need to bring Joshua. And then him wanting to be involved in college ministry, he said he just felt so loved and seen by the Lord. And he said, I'm just so encouraged by God right now. After all those years of discouragement, after all those years of heartache, after all those years of being discouraged by what's happening in the church, and just now, just feeling open, now the Lord does this. And I just felt like, this is so amazing what you do, God. How did all that happen? Just a small little opening. He told me something to do, and I did it. Did I have any idea when I said yes to invite someone that any of that stuff would have happened? There's no way. Like I said, you cannot even make that stuff up. There's no way. But this is what happens. This is what happens when you just give God an opening. Maybe you're like the Canaanite woman who is buried under difficult things really hard, depressing, anxiety-filled things. And I think the word for you to, the, from the Lord this morning is what he encouraged me with. 
Even if you're in that place and you feel like you have no faith, you're not far away. You're not far away from the Lord. You're not far away from him doing and moving in a miraculous, supernatural type of way in your life. Just take it day by day and listen in the small things. And when you hear the Lord, listen to what he says. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that faith is not about us, that it's about you. And I'm so grateful for that fact, because if it was about me, then I'd be in trouble. But I'm so glad it's not about me, that really faith is about you. Faith is all about you and who you are. Faith is all about you and what you can do and not what we can do. That we don't have to muster up faith. We just have to connect with you. We just have to give you the smallest of openings and not let all the negative thing overshadow it. We just need to give you a small space where you can come in and you can take over. So Lord, I pray right now that we would do that. You know, even as we worship right now, that we would want to surrender to you. Give up control. Let go of control. Let go of trying to fix things in our life and to make things happen. Just to release and relinquish control so we can give you some space. And you don't need a lot of space. So if you feel tired and you don't feel like you can clear out a lot of space, that's okay. He doesn't need a lot. He only needs that small faith, mustard seed faith. And so even this morning, if you can just kind of release control to the Lord, open up some space to him. Have him come enter in and let him minister and speak to you. Let him encourage you today, saying, you do it, Lord. I'm tired of me trying to do it. You do it. You do it. You speak to me, Lord. So thank you. Thank you for who you are. I pray that we would worship you now for who you are. And thank you that you're so good and that you move in such amazing ways for your children. Thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It would be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.